Welcome to Torah Talk, a program that challenges 2,000 years of misunderstanding and neglect of the Torah, God's law. In this show, we will be threshing ideologies by examining these scriptures in their Hebraic contexts. Our goal is to separate the wheat from the chaff, the truth from misconception. This program is sponsored by The Harvest, a Messianic Charismatic Congregation in Thornton, Colorado. Shalom, lovers of the Torah, and thank you for choosing to listen to Torah Talk. We have a great podcast for you. Today we have a midrash on the Torah portion called Shemot, translated names. It's actually part two. It's a follow-up to our uh, uh, show that we did just recently. And it is the story of the exodus of the children of Israel out of the empire of Egypt. So we see this great Pharaoh who is wicked, oppressive, and enslaves the neighboring countries around him. Uh, the people of Israel call out to God, and God responds by giving a deliverer named Moses. And through Moses, God intervenes, champions their cause, and overthrows this empire through powerful signs and wonders. It's a great story. A story of empires that rise and fall on how they relate to the chosen people and and God's plan for the world. It's relevant today due to the fact that we certainly are on the brink of an empire context once again. Think of the United States of America and and how it's become much like an empire. Uh, Think of the United Nations and how the world is is coming together through these great nations. And uh, Israel's back on the map. And now we have this Islamic terror rising up all around us. And so, you know, this whole stage is set once again for what I believe is going to ultimately be God's intervention. We see it over and over and over. He will preserve his chosen people and those who line up with her, who who embrace the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, who implement his ways both as on an individual basis and in their families, in their communities in their, in their nations. Uh, he, he raises those nations up. He establishes those, those nations that become corrupt and wicked. He uproots, and we've seen this over and over and over. So stay with us. It's going to be a great show. But before we get started, I'd like to welcome back uh, into my studio today my guests, Torah teacher BJ and one of our elders, Dr. Randy Craig. Thank you for being back on the show. How are you both doing, and what do you think of this Torah portion? Doing great and enjoyed our last uh, our last midrash together, and I'm looking forward uh, to continuing on with this one. Amen to BJ's comments. Glad to be invited back. Great. All right. Well, let's jump in. Exodus chapter 2. We've already covered chapter 1, and we're into Exodus chapter 2. And so I'm just going to pick up the reading. It says, Now a man from the house of Levi went and married a daughter of Levi. The woman conceived and bore a son. And we saw, and when she saw that he was beautiful, she hid him for three months. But when she could hide him no longer, she got him in a wicker basket, covered it over with tar and pitch. Then she put the child into it and set it among the reeds by the bank of the Nile. His sister stood at a distance to find out what would happen to him. Dr. Randy. Well, I think this first, uh, these first few verses uh, point out how God uh, works through normal living, normal circumstances to accomplish his purposes. You have a, here you have a man and a woman marrying, and we, in, in current uh, vernacular, we would probably say they're like-hearted. Um, and it points out the importance of who we marry. Uh, these, this couple had probably had no idea the place they were going to play in history when they married, but they were simply living and walking out what they knew of... Um, God's ways in marrying uh, someone of like faith. 
uh, and that provided the foundation for uh, the whole narrative that we discussed last week and that we're discussing today. One of the beauties of the Torah is it teaches us the importance of living here and now, the importance of our life on the earth. We, on the one hand, we we embrace the truth of eternity, but we're not so preoccupied with it that it leads us away from how we live today. You know, it's amazing, too, that that this is such a, a human story, a common, natural, this is what people do. Amen. Yet Amen. they, as you pointed out, had no idea who they were and how God was going to use them. They had no clue. And it's like our lives. We really don't know much of who we are. But as we live our lives and things unravel, we begin to say, wow, God, you had a purpose and a plan for me. And I'm beginning to see how you've used who I am and my circumstances, my family, my friends, you know, and, and what you're doing through my life. I'm beginning to see now what your plan is. And he has a beautiful plan for everyone. And for this young couple, they had no idea who, who they would give birth to. They're giving birth to the great deliverer. I still, I, you know, I, I it's goofy, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, getting to my late fifties and, uh, I still have this like, a weird dream that I still want to have another child. My wife, it drives her crazy, but I'm thinking, no, we can still do this. This is Abraham and Sarah. You know, what happens if the next child is Elijah, the forerunner of Messiah before he returns? But it's going to be somebody, right? I mean, these, these families and these personas that God uses in a great way, they're all around us. And uh, from the small to the great, we are all part of this drama, all part of this great plan of God, and it is really, truly exciting. Amen. And uh, it's easy to um, underestimate the importance of our part in that plan. I uh, recently uh, started reading a book on how to win the game of tennis point by point, and the author said that um, in every game of tennis, there is a point when the momentum shifts. And nobody knows when that point is. And so you've got to play every point as if that is the point that's going to shift the momentum of the match. Uh, and, and that I, had nothing to do with, with our tennis matches in the past, right? <laughs> no comment. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, the, uh, and so, again, uh, I think our exhortation would be to the audience uh, uh, and to ourselves not to uh, um, underestimate the importance of day today decisions in the playing out of the plans and purposes of God in our life. That's right. That is so true. All right. Verse five, the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the Nile with her maidens walking alongside the Nile. And she saw the basket among the reeds and sent her maid and she brought it in, brought it to her. When she opened it, she saw the child and behold, the boy was crying and she had pity on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call a nurse for you from the Hebrew women that she may nurse the child for you? Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go, go ahead. So the girl went and called to the child's mother. Then Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him. The child grew. She brought him into Pharaoh's, uh, brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. And she named him Moses and said, "Because I drew him out of the water." 
So um, before we get going on this, just a little bit of a sidebar here. Uh, BG, tell us a little bit about uh, your uh, heart and the burden the Lord has given to you related to a very similar story in some ways, very similar. Well, I, I go to Haiti. Uh, I've been going for the last eight years or so, and I just kind of went as a helping out, uh, have some friends who live down there and and do, do some missions. They and, do, they're yeah. missionaries okay. and, you know, they have a church and they have an orphanage and they have a school. And so I go down, you know, a week at a time and, and pretend like I'm super helpful to <laughs> the work that they're doing. And really, you I, are I, helpful. I play for like a week with orphans and I call it, you know, missionary work. But uh, during that during that time, I've you know grown to fall in love with these children, and and as someone who isn't able to have my own children, I've, I've just had this heart for adoption, and had kind of always thought that I would adopt from America, but then, you know, I spend all this time with these fabulous orphans who don't have families, and so it's it's really been something that's been upon my heart that then I would adopt from there. So uh, not uh, so last year, last calendar year, I. I met a little boy who his story was he was he was about eight months old at the time, and uh, sadly in in Haiti a lot of children are are discarded like literally left in trash piles once it is that they're born if if they're not wanted, and this little boy had been found. They uh, his his parents had left him down by there's like a, a riverbed where they can wash or do clothes or animals can, you know, drink there, but there's this little kind of abandoned area and a a woman was coming by and she heard a a child crying down by the riverbed and uh, found him. And he still had his umbilical cord attached. He was a brand new child who had just been left to die and brought him to friends of mine who, who then have been raising him from that time. And they, they named him Moses because you just can't name him anything right, else at that right. point. You cannot have a situation like that where then you name him Bob. It just doesn't make sense <laughs> at that point. And not, not, not to disparage any Bobs that are listening. God bless all the That's Bobs right. who are out there. But if you, if you find a child who has been abandoned in the river and you take him from there and you save him and rescue him, you have to name him Moses. Sure. It's kind of a rule. That's great. But I'm now in the adoption process with Moses. So, so this Torah portion is so profoundly personal to me of, of just seeing what it is that, that the enemy has planned and what it is that God can turn that situation yes. around is so powerful to me. And I, I, you know, when I first met Moses when he was eight months old, it was really difficult for me not to just have such anger towards his parents and, and just to look at such an unrighteous act. Mm-hmm. And, and I've, at this point I've moved on from that and I realize that while it certainly was not a good act, it, it's what made me be able to adopt this child. Yes. And so, you know, the testimony that it is that he has is, is not, is not a simple one. It's a profound statement of God's mercy of seeing that small infant who had been abandoned and left and was, was going to die had yes. this woman not found him and to be able to make it so that, you know, that I could be a mother. That's a, that's a profound thing that though they didn't do it with right hearts, I mean, they didn't take him to an orphanage and drop him off. They, they took him to, to let him die. It ended up being a huge blessing for me and something that's a powerful testimony. And, and I now have this fabulous two and a half year old who's been added to, I have an eight year old who I'm adopting also, but it's just been life changing of, of, 
what the enemy had planned for evil, God turned around and made me a mother out of it. Yes. And that's a powerful thing. And, and I love to see the, I love to, you know, my Moses and reading the, the book of Exodus is just a powerful, powerful testimony for me. Yeah. So that, and so you go to Haiti how often uh, every year? Uh, two, two times a year usually. Times, yeah. Now we're getting more and more as I'm, you know, with the children, but yeah. And that's costing, that's co- personally, that costs you thousands of dollars to, to, to make these trips and the cost that you incur personally, uh, every year, uh, to, to stay connected, to work through this process, to, to secure this adoption, which, uh, and we've talked about this before, uh, you know, Haiti's not real keen on, you know, um, having people from the United States adopting kids. So they kind of really slow that process down as much as they can. And it becomes very, very costly. And, and just, just, you know, and not to get too far away from our show, but I just really feel like, um, you know, you, you, you set up a GoFundMe site where if people want to help with the costs involved in something like this, they can actually give money for that, um, for those costs that, that you are incurring in order to secure this adoption. Uh, are you comfortable with, with I, we did not talk about this before the show, but are you comfortable with giving that out over over this podcast? It's, I mean, that's fine. If someone sure. really feels led to do it, then I'm fine with that. It's it's a GoFundMe where it's it's called the adoption of of Junior, who is my eight year old Junior and Moses. Okay. So if if they search, so what would they have to? do? How, how how would they search that? If you would go to GoFundMe and you would do a search for Junior and Moses okay, adoption, so- and then if they want to narrow it down, which I don't think they need to, but it's in Aurora, Colorado. Okay. Great. So if you feel so led to do that and to help uh, in this process of, of getting this adoption in place so these children can come into a family. And, uh, it, you know, it's just amazing because it, it impacts so many people. It impacts our community, you know. And, and so we would have uh, uh, two young boys with us coming into the Torah. And um, it's just it's and being, being raised and, and, and learning these great uh, truths and the blessings that are associated with them. What an amazing thing. So, uh, go to gofundme.com and look that up. And, um, and if you feel so led to give, uh, you know, you would be blessed in doing that. So, okay, great. And it's been wonderful yeah. in the community. I, I tell the boys all the time, there's a, there's whenever I see them or we get to Skype, Moses, the two year old's not great at Skype, but Junior's really good at it. But I say, there are so many people here who love you and have never met you, you know, and just, so, I mean, really, and I do appreciate people giving, but if someone really feels led to help, prayer is just such a yes, needed that's right. thing. And, you know, if you have to choose between one or the other, please pray for this situation because it is not easy and it's not easy. You know, they don't love single mothers and, um, it's, it's a difficult situation to, to do this. I mean, it's something that I feel just so I'm clear in my head that it, it's so, um, the will of God, but, uh, prayer is, is crucial at this point and favor with, um, the Haitian government is, is something that I would really, really ask for. Yeah. Good. Okay. Great. Okay, well, let's read on in this story. It's uh, verse five. The daughter of Pharaoh came down. No, did I? I just read that, huh? Yeah, just yeah. So okay, so anything more? Yeah, let's look at this, and it, it's amazing. As we talked about it earlier in our pre-broadcast show, um, God is so amazing. You know this 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 mother. You know you can imagine the fear uh, in the heart of 
you know, the parents and the risk of keeping this male child with them and the stress involved to the point where they finally realized our best hope in securing his life is to let go of him and to send him down the river, so to speak. Um, and sure enough, one of Pharaoh's daughters uh, picks him up and the sister runs down. Miriam, the sister of Moses, runs down and sees all this. And then she has this idea. And she approaches and says, do you want me to go get you a wet nurse? It's an amazing story, you know. And so the sister asks, she says, yeah, go get me a wet nurse. She goes back and gets her mom. And so here's the mother now, heartbroken, and she's back in the picture. And she gets her baby every day. And she gets to nurse her son every day. And she gets paid wages on top of it. I am so enthralled with God's ability to take things that are meant for evil towards us and turn them around to our good. It's so, it gives so much hope. It is inspiring in every way. And I want to encourage anyone that's in a very difficult place in your life, no matter what it is you're facing, it doesn't matter what you're facing. Cry out to God. He is good. He is for you and not against you. He has a great and wonderful plan for your life. Let him do what he's done so many times for our ancestors. And this is one of those examples of, of his mercy and grace. Well, I think uh, Pastor Mark's uh, exhortation and BJ's uh, journey illustrate uh, the psalm, just some truths that we see in Psalms where the psalmist said, uh, God, you are Lord of heaven above and earth beneath. As Yeshua is our king, he's king not only of the spiritual realm, he's king of the physical realm. Yes. And uh, we see him uh, working through um, people that had no idea of who he was or how he worked, but he worked anyway. And uh, you, can see, you can hear this in BJ's journey with the parents that, out of desperation, discarded the uh, child. There's no way they could have ever known in their own understanding what was going to happen, how BJ was going to fit in, and... Uh, I think BJ's journey illustrates the first point we made earlier in the chapter is she was just living out Torah, living out her faith, going to uh, Haiti, and now she's adopting two children there. She didn't set out to do that, but she set out to walk with God and be obedient to him. And now this whole process is in effect. I think another thing we see here is these, these, this couple was facing an impossibility, and it makes me wonder if this older sister wasn't part of a plan. See, they faced the impossibility. They realized they really couldn't do it on their own, but they still planned and strategized on some things that might work. Uh, and so we see that. We see both uh, a couple taking responsibility, probably prayerfully planning, trying to figure out a way to save this child. And we see the hand of God working in yes. ways that made the plan work that it would never have worked if it yes. wasn't for him. And I don't think they could anticipate how and when God would intervene. They had to just trust him, you know, which we all do. We have to trust. And I think one of the, one of the first lessons we learn in the scriptures is God's trustworthy. He, he actually, we can trust in him. He is good. Everything we know about him, he is good. And so we've got to learn to trust when we have no evidence of his interaction or intent to intervene. We got to trust that he, he hears us and his heart is for us, and that he is with us. And that's, that's the hope that gets us through anything 
anything. There's no more powerful force in the world than the, than the force of hope itself. It is an amazing dynamic. It's really easy for me to imagine this mother speaking these words, words like you're saying now, over this baby she was yes. nursing. Now, Moses had his own lesson, his own school to learn yes. about trusting God. But it's very likely that this godly Levitical mom spoke hope and, and, and the goodness of God, the trustworthiness yes. of God over this child for those, what, two or three years that she wet nursed him? Yeah. Maybe more. Maybe. Uh, yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not sure how. Yeah. I'm not sure what was kind of the cultural norm for that. But yeah, absolutely. Amazing story. Good. Anything else, BJ, before we go on? Okay, good. So uh, verse 11, now it came about in those days when Moses had grown up and he went out to his brethren and looked on their hard labors and he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his brethren. So he looked this way and that. And when he saw there was no one around, he struck down the Egyptian and hit him in the sand. He went on the next day and behold, two Hebrews were fighting with each other. And he said to the offender, why are you striking your companion? But he said, who made you a prince or judge over us? Are you intending to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and said, Surely the matter has become known. When, when Pharaoh heard of this, he tried to kill Moses. But Moses fled from the presence of Pharaoh and settled in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well. Okay. Well, I think you see in this passage uh, something that we've uh, uh, shared a bit back and forth, and that is part of the art of living is learning to know what battles to fight and what battles not to fight. There is possible that there are good battles out there that you personally may not be called to fight uh, directly or with the bulk of your time, energy, and money. Uh, Moses probably was stirred. He had in his heart um, a stirring that he was to do something for his people but he was apparently clueless on timing. Yeah, so so let, let's back up a little bit. Um, do you think that Moses always knew that he was a Hebrew, or do you think that was something he's discovered later on in his life? Uh, you know, because we, we've seen the Ten Commandments with Cecil B. DeMille's and, you know, <laughs> Charleston Heston playing the role of Moses. But, you know, the, the, in there, it's, it's a late, late date in his coming into the awareness that I'm a Hebrew. I'm not an Egyptian. Are you saying that might not be accurate? I said it may not, but you know, Cecil B. DeMille's, I don't think he was ever wrong. <laughs> I don't know. Well, maybe it's actually both. And, you know, yeah. it's, um, the, um, again, this goes back to the cultural norm. How long did his mother have with him? And, uh, I, I don't know the answer to that question, but it was probably several years and maybe it was anywhere from what, two to three or four years. Yeah. And uh, so there were probably seeds planted in some realizations that might not have come to a mature understanding till later, but maybe it's a combination of both. Yeah. Yeah. So, so a possibility that maybe, maybe it was later in life that he kind of comes into this awareness of some seeds that were planted when he was young, that as he explored that discovered, you know what? I'm Hebrew. Um, it does kind of make sense that as it states here, it says, uh, um, when Moses had grown up, it's then that he goes out to his brother, brethren and looks at their hard labor. So it implies that he doesn't really see them as his brethren until later in life to, 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 he gets to a point where it's later that he discovers that. 
Well, you know, uh, I was discussing this with my brother earlier today, and another question that comes to mind was, well, now, why would Pharaoh, if, if, if Pharaoh did not know Moses was Hebrew, why would he want to kill a prince of Egypt that just killed an Egyptian? Right. You know, because... Inter, in, yeah, kind of an in-house fight. Yeah, it was kind of an in-house fight, and you're a prince, so you, yeah. you know, I mean, it may not be recommended as normal behavior, but you can get away with killing somebody because you're a prince. Yeah. However, if it was known that he was not just a prince, but he was actually of Hebrew origin, yeah. that could color that whole dynamic. Yeah, N- exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, so all those elements come into play. Yeah, it, it implies that Pharaoh did know that he was not... That he was adopted. He was more of an outsider than an insider, yeah. And if you knew that not only was he an outsider, but he was Hebrew to boot, that certainly would kind of lay the foundation for why you wanted to actually kill him. Um, yeah. BJ, anything? I, my assumption has always been that, that they that they did assume from the finding of the child, they said this must be one of the Hebrew children. I mean, I think it was... It, I don't know whether it is that he knew that, but that also strikes within me that I've, I've often thought of, you know, like when you have a one-year-old, your entire job is to keep them alive. And really, you can uh, sow seeds into that child. And that at least part of this, I have to believe, was was being raised by his biological mother in what it is that she prayed over him and what it is that she spoke to him, that that's, that's, a, that's something that somewhere within him that took place and yes. that it makes me kind of rethink my, you know, you should still keep them alive, but you can also really speak into the lives of a child who may not understand it at that point. It's somewhere within their spirit. Yeah. And I think and, this is probably happening as an, on a personal note with BJ and Moses and junior. She's, you know, you're spending uh, time with them and uh, you're planting seeds and have been for, for some time in the lives of these kids. And we, it's, it's yet to know how that they're going to bear fruit. Yeah, there's there's no way to know all the things that have been set into motion already. But from all the stories we read, we know there are some fantastic, wonderful, beautiful outcomes that are coming. Not notwithstanding the adversity that you have to go through and the heartbreak that I'm sure you've went through. You know, it's been years and I'm sure there's been moments where you're just in, in you know, broken and saying you know, I can't do this anymore. It's too much. And this is crazy. God, where are you? And yet, as we see in the story, God is always involved. And uh, it's in his timing and his ways that he brings about the best for us. That later, in hindsight, we say, thank you, God. It was the right thing at the right time. Okay, good. So let's go down to the uh, last part of our passage, verse uh, 23. Now it came about in the course of those days that the king of Egypt died and the sons of Israel sighed because of the uh, because of the bondage and they cried out and their cry for help because of their bondage rose up to God. So God hear, heard their groaning and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob and God saw the sons of Israel and God took notice of them. Dr. Ranning, some final comments. Well, I here you have um, a good example of uh, a cry going to the Father. Now, Pastor Mark a few minutes ago encouraged those of you that are in desperate situations to cry out to God, and the people of Israel did that, and it set in motion events that, was gonna, that were going to lead to the deliverance that they were praying for. 
Um, and so you can be assured that if you're crying out to God in a desperate situation now, you're setting in motion events that are going to bring about that deliverance. However, this is, this is the difficult part of the narrative is consider this, that when um, they cried out, sometime after that, a man and a woman were married. Sometime after that, they had their first child, then their second, then came to deliver, born third, and then he was 40, and then he was 80. So there was a long yeah. time that occurred from the time they cried out until the time that he came back as deliverer, but the, the, the events were in motion. So the person who's in a tough place and says, man, I cried out last night, and, and he didn't respond. God did not respond. What do you say to him? He did respond, but we just don't see it yet. Right. And, and you only cried out for one night. This is, a, this is again, where this message, kind of like um, BJ and Pastor Mark a few minutes ago, this is a countercultural message. We are, we are uh, in the West, are taught to expect what we want that night or the next day. And uh, so waiting, in waiting, we're, it's, it's like we're exercising a muscle that we've not used very much. And it's not necessarily easy, uh, and, but there are events happening. The yeah. Lord uh, has promised that he rewards those who diligently seek him. So if you are diligently seeking him. And that means diligently means continually over a long period of time. Yes. Yeah. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. BJ. You know, I worked out last night and I did not hit my goal <laughs> weight this morning. I mean, it, it's, it, you know, you eat a salad, you don't become thin overnight. That's you, right. you know, read a book, you don't become a master of what it is that you've, you know, that you've read. We've had to work long and hard on our educations and on uh, so much of what it is that we do. But yeah, it's very much a, on my board in my office, I have, don't give up what you really want for what you really want right now. So I use it, for example, if I really want a brownie right now. But what I really want is to be a healthy mom who has energy and can play with her kids. Yes. You know, what I really want is that new fun gadget or shoes or purse or whatever. But what I really want is to be fiscally responsible and to be out of debt. You know, we, we look at some of those things of just we become this society of my, the microwave society. Yes. Of... Uh, you know, I'll wait for something for two minutes in the microwave and just think this is the longest thing ever. Yes. Well, really, we've just kind of gotten that in our head. And, and sadly, we've done the same thing with God of, you know, well, it, Lord, it's been a two minute microwave and I, I'm still waiting for you to deliver me on yes. this. And it's it's just not how he works because there's a process that has to take place. And there's a process of my faith that doesn't grow if I get everything I want or ask for in two minutes. That That's never going to grow my faith. Yeah. That's going to grow my ego and my pride uh, and, and my greed, but it's not mm. going to grow my faith in my God. It's that's not right. going to grow my trust in him. And that you only get to grow by having to go through that experience and, and trusting that you know, if he did, if he chose not to answer yesterday and you suddenly are doubting that he's going to answer, that tells me where it is that you're at with God of, I, I don't believe him anymore. Yes. You know, well, you're going to have to go through some things and, and just know that God is continually good. You know, David said, yet though he take my life, I will still praise the Lord. Yes. And that if we get to a point where we say, Lord, you can choose, choose to say, no, I'll still serve you. You can choose to make this take a long time. I'm still going to trust that this is what it is that you, you have in place. And, and that's not something that you can, 
that's a muscle that you can't exercise once and be really good at. That's right. That's right. Well, good. Um, kind of winding this show down. Um, I just, I just, you know, want to say to people out there as, as you're reading the Torah portions, uh, where do you find yourself? Uh, where do you connect? Are you a Pharaoh? Are, are, are you a Pharaoh who has much and you tend to disregard those around you? In fact, you, you see them as, as um, resources that you can use to, to gain more wealth. Um, or do you see yourself uh, resonating with a deliverer like Moses? Maybe, maybe you're, you're favored of God and positioned in such a way that you can help other people. You can alleviate the oppression, the oppression in other people's lives. Or maybe you're one of the oppressed where you're broken and you're just hopeless and you're saying, you know, this is, this is, I have nothing. I'm just, I, you know, I'm enslaved. I'm in bondage and I, my life is a mess and I'm miserable and there's no way out. Uh, be reminded, be encouraged to cry out to God. Not just one night, not just two nights. You just cry out every night until your deliverance comes and know this for sure. God will send a deliverer. He will send you what you need to see you through this horrible time in your life. He has the answers. He's good. And he has a plan for your life and your life matters. It has purpose. So hang in there, be encouraged, reach out to God, embrace his son, Yeshua, the Messiah, the great and ultimate deliverer. He is for you and not against you. Well, that concludes our show for this week. And again, we want to thank uh, our special um, guests today on the show, BJ and Randy. Thank you both for being on the show. And of course, to our great King, Yeshua, the Messiah, and our listeners and supporters for making this podcast possible through all of your prayers and all of your financial giving. I'm your host, Tori Teacher Mark. And until next week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of the Prince of Peace, Yeshua the Messiah. Shalom. Torah Talk has been brought to you by The Harvest, a Messianic charismatic congregation located at 8891 Pose Boulevard in Thornton, Colorado. Your host has been Pastor Mark McClellan. Join us for Sabbath services at 1 p.m. next Saturday afternoon. For more information, please call us at 303-761-9948 or visit our website at www.graftedin.com. God bless you and shalom.